Welcome, LFC family and our guests that are worshiping with us uh, Sunday morning. What a beautiful day this is, and I pray that Heavenly Father would touch you in a powerful way as we worship Him together. We're going to be looking today at a lesson that Jesus gave to His disciples the night He was betrayed. Let's begin by looking at St. John chapter 14. Uh, Would you join me there? St. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then he goes on to say, If ye'd known me, ye would have known my Father also, and henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, Philip? Yet hast thou not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of myself and my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask you in the authority of Jesus' name that you would anoint this message. And Father, I pray every person around the world listening to this message that the power of the Holy Spirit will minister to them right now. Father, give to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of their understanding to see you and to see your mighty work in Jesus' name. Father, anoint me to preach the word by your power and by your anointing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So... The story that we were just reading, or the lesson that we were just reading, given by Jesus, he was giving on the night of his betrayal, the, the Passover Seder, the Passover meal had come to a conclusion, and Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He was concerned because he knew over the next hours and few days, they were going to face situations and circumstances that would cause great fear, great anxiety, and hopelessness in their heart. And Jesus wanted to prepare them and equip them for that time. And so he begins this very important teaching to give them the principles and the precepts 
that would enable them to deal with the fear, worry, anxiety, and hopelessness that they were going to be facing. He realized that the things that they would be seeing and hearing and experiencing, if they, if they were dealt with by the, by the natural mind and by the, the five physical senses, that, that they would not be able to handle it well. They, they were going to have to learn how to deal with these situations from the inside out. And that's, that's an important principle for you and I to deal with in our own lives. I mean, the things that we're dealing with right now is exactly like what they were dealing with then. The circumstances that are going on around us right now, if handled by our natural senses and by our natural mind and our natural thinking, they they will crush us to the ground. And so Jesus was giving to them principles and precepts, and he gives to you and I principles and precepts that will enable us to handle these things from the inside out so that we can live victoriously and successfully even in the situations that we're dealing with right now. You know, I wonder if the draconian measures that are being taken right now and the disproportionate way that the media is reporting these situations are not causing much of the great fear and anxiety, maybe even more than the COVID virus itself. Think about some of the original uh, diagrams and, and projections that were there at the beginning of this whole circumstance. An example, the University of Washington <clears throat> released some statistics in March of this year that projected that uh, in the United States there would be 81,114 deaths in the United States by July. They also said that by the time we got to the month of April, we would be seeing 2,300 deaths each day. Each day. Wow. 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 Look at, look at the headlines that was reported in uh, USA Today on April, um, excuse me, on March 31st of this year. The coronavirus live updates. U.S. deaths top 4,000 with a projection of 240,000 fatalities. Really? 240,000 fatalities? So what are the actual statistics? If, I mean, if this is what they were projecting in the beginning, what are the actual statistics? Well, as of April 15th, in other words, just, just three days ago, the Center of Disease Control website reported that there had been a total of 24,582 deaths in the United States. But look at the headline that was reported uh, in the uh, ABC 
and their headline that same day. So the April 15th, CDC says there's 24,582 deaths. But ABC that very same day reported coronavirus deaths top 30,000. What is happening here? What is going on? There has consistently been a disproportionate reporting of the, of the uh, statistics of this coronavirus. And that, you know, when, when you see that, you, you, you have to ask yourself, what, what really is happening here? September to April of this year, so September 2019 to April 2020, there were 24,785 deaths from the flu, almost exactly the same number as the coronavirus. But that's not been declared a pandemic. In fact, in 2017-2018, one of the worst flu seasons in history, there were 61,000 deaths. No one declared a pandemic. 2018-2019, 34,200 deaths from the flu. No one declared a pandemic. What? See, this, this kind of disproportionate reporting and the kind of draconian uh, measures that are being taken, not just in the U.S., but around the world, is causing everyone to go, what's happening? And, and that's creating even more fear worry and anxiety maybe than we're seeing in from the COVID virus itself. Because people are going, what's really happening? What's really taking place? And so how do you deal with this? Well, Jesus gave us some specific principles that help us to deal with this. And I, I want to look at the, some of those today. We're going to look at some more of them next week. But look with me, if you would, please. The very first thing Jesus does is he gives his disciples the assurance of his second coming. He, he wants them to understand, look, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The word there for troubled in the Greek is a... Is a interesting word because it it means to have a mind that is greatly disturbed it means that your mind has been thrown into great anxiety in fact it was used at times of a level of anxiety and fear that was so great the person would lose control of their bowels jesus is saying look do not let your heart become overwrought with, with despair, with anxiety, with fear, with worry. Do not let that happen. Why not? Because I'm going to prepare a place for you. You, you have a home in a place that is greater than right here. Jesus was wanting his disciples to understand when the world goes crazy, remember, this is not your final home. And we're seeing that right now. I mean, 
the whole world. This isn't just happening inside the United States. When we look around, the entire world is in upheaval. And Jesus wants us to know when it gets like it is right now that we realize, yes, we live here. We live a very real life here. Yeah, we have to go to work tomorrow. Hopefully, you're still working. <clears throat> yes, we still, have to, we still have to go grocery shopping. We still have to do the stuff that's daily living here. But we do that realizing this is not our final home. When Almighty God gave life to us, he did not mean for us just to live our 70, 80, 90 years here. He created us to live eternally, and our eternal home is the one that really gives us hope and assurance and really gives us the kind of security that we all long for. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I, I'm preparing your eternal home for you, so don't let your heart be overwrought with fear and anxiety of what is going on here, because I want you to know I'm coming again, and I'm going to take you home with me. Wow. 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 This, this brings a very important point that I want to share with you. Where are you looking for for your security right now? Are you hoping that President Trump and the Republican Party and the, and the, uh, uh, the, the stimulus package is, is going to bring security to you? Are, are, are you looking to the election and hoping that... that uh, uh, that Biden will be elected and the Democratic Party is going to give you the security that you're looking for. Uh, you want to see that Green New Deal done because that's going to give you greater security. What, what are you looking to? Are you looking to your job for your security? Your bank account? Your retirement? What are you looking to for your security? Jesus wants you to understand, dear one, that it is not found in anything this world can give to you. That's not your security. Your security is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in the eternal home that Jesus Christ has prepared for you. That's where real security is. That's what the Apostle Paul was, was writing about when he wrote to the church at Colossians. And he said, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Set your hope, set your security, set your assurance, set your destiny on things above and not on things of the earth. That's what the writer of Hebrews was talking about when he wrote in chapter 12 when he said, laying aside the weight and the sin that so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher 
of our faith. Wow. Almighty God wants us to understand that our eternal security is truly anchored in Jesus Christ. Now, okay, it looks like things are starting to come apart. It, the world looks like it is coming apart like that old baseball that I used playing sandlot baseball a lot. We would use that ball until the threads began tearing and breaking open and maybe that's what the world looks like to you right now. An old threadbare baseball that's starting to come apart. Truth is, we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus is coming, do we? We know he's coming again. He gave us the promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Wow, he's coming again. That, that is absolutely certain. The second coming of Jesus Christ is more certain than anything you see in this world. When? We don't know the exact day or the hour. Jesus himself said, we don't know the day or the hour. Only Heavenly Father knows the day or the hour. But Jesus did give to us some sign markers that would let us know it's getting really, really close. It's getting really, really near. He wants us to know that, that we are living in a season that, that the end time is very, very close. We don't know the day or the hour, but we can know we're getting really close. In fact, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus wrote these words to them, reading verses 28 to 33. He said, now, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees, when they are already budding, you see and you know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also. When you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things, all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away. Did, did you see what he's saying? It would be easier for the sun and the moon to stop shining than it would be for any of God's word to not be true and accurate and to be fulfilled. Jesus said, when you see these things happening, lift up your head. Your redemption draws near. Well, what things was he talking about? Well, when you take earlier in the, in the gospel of Luke and also in the gospel of Matthew chapter 24, he talks about the fig tree. Now, the fig tree throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, is an image of the nation of Israel. God used that image 
to talk about Israel, the fig tree. And here we are. He's talking about, he had already said, remember, he had already said that Israel and Jerusalem was going to be crushed to the ground and would cease to exist. And we know that happened in A.D. 70 when Rome laid siege to the city of Jerusalem and a million and a half Jewish men and women and children lost their lives inside the walls of Jerusalem and Titus destroyed the city and every, as Jesus, exactly as Jesus said, not one stone was left upon another. But then later, another rebellion from the Jewish people came out against this time Emperor Hadrian and the Romans and in 135 AD, that rebellion was completely crushed and then Hadrian changed the name from Israel to Palestinia and he changed the name of Jerusalem from Jerusalem to uh, Jupiter Capitolina. And so Israel totally was wiped out. There was no Israel. There was no capital city of the, of the nation of Israel. And it was as Jesus said, the Jerusalem and the land of Israel was being trampled under the feet of the Gentiles. Until the times of the Gentiles reaches its fulfillment and its completion. But there's going to come a time, Jesus was assuring us, when this fig tree was going to blossom again. It was going to bud forth and blossom again. Jesus was saying there's going to come a time when the nation of Israel is going to be reborn just as God prophesied in the book of Isaiah. In a single day, Israel will come into existence again. And Jerusalem will become the capital city of Israel again. And it will be the city of hope for the Jewish people again. And that happened. May 14th, 1948, Israel in a moment was born again. Prime Minister, the first Prime Minister of Israel, David Ben-Gurion, read over the airwaves, was broadcast over the radio airwaves, and that Israel was declared a nation again, and our president, Harry Truman, was the first to recognize it as the nation of Israel and the homeland of the Jewish people. But then, June 5 to 10 of 1967, the Six-Day War, the Jewish people gained full control of their capital city again, just as Jesus prophesied. And look what Jesus said. The generation that sees Israel born again and the capital city of Jerusalem, that generation will not pass away till all these things be fulfilled and your redemption draws near. Folks, that's us. That's us. Everyone that has been born since 1948, we're that generation. We are living in the generation of the last days. But then Jesus went on from there to give us more sign markers to let us know it keeps getting nearer, it keeps getting closer. In Matthew chapter 24, he said, these are the beginning of sorrows, these are the birth pangs. Nations rising against nations, wars and rumors of wars, and pestilence. And when he used that concept, when he said, 
These are the beginnings he, he used in the Greek language. These are the birth pangs. He was using that to let us know they're going to get closer. They're going to get closer together. They're going to become greater. They're going to become more dynamic. They're going to become more extreme. And right now, around the world, we are seeing the most extreme natural disasters. Like right now, in North Africa and in the Middle East, they are having a locust problem that is maybe one of the greatest in history. One reporter said he saw a swarm of locusts that was larger than the entire city of New York. And then just this last week, it was reported that a new outbreak of locusts had come that was 20 times worse than the one that was already there. Boy, we're seeing crazy things happening. He went on to say, and then, then there's going to be those that will come and will declare themselves to be Christ, and they're not really Christ. Then there's going to be a rising that uh, wickedness is going to become so extreme and so great that the natural brotherly love of the human race is going to start to die, and even the natural love of family love, mother for children, father for children, children for parents. That love is going to go into rigor mortis. And so love will grow cold. And we're seeing that. And then he said, Christians will be hated throughout all the world. Christians and Jews will be hated throughout all nations. What are we seeing right now? This, this rise of, 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 uh, of anti-Semitism is extreme. There's just this unreasonable hatred for Israel and the Jewish people. But not just the Jewish people. For Christians, more and more nations, Christians are the problem. We've we got to get rid of Christianity. It's interesting. Every other religion is okay, except Christianity. Christianity is the problem. And Jesus said, when you see this happening, that the last days is here. It's here. And then he gave this unusual sign. He talked about the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. What? Abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. What does that mean? Well, it's a direct reference to the fact that in the last days, there's going to arise a globalized government that will be a one-world government all around the world. And this globalized government is going to control industry. It's going to control the marketplace. And it's going to control population. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. A globalized government that's going to control industry, going to control the marketplace, and is going to control the population of the world. And Jesus said, but at the same time, there's going to become a peace pact written with the, with the Middle East and there'll be a peace pact in the Middle East that will bring peace to Israel. But in the middle of that peace 
It's a seven-year peace pact. In the middle of it, that peace is going to be broken. The temple will be rebuilt on the Temple Mount, and the leader of this globalized government will go there and set himself up to be worshipped as if he is God. Wow. Jesus said, these are the signs. When you see these signs, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. When you see these things happening, lift up your eyes. Stop looking at the stuff that's going on around you and lift up your eyes to the, to the heaven because redemption draws nigh. Get your focus on things. That, get your focus on that place I've prepared for you. Get your focus on me. Get your eyes off of the world. Get your eyes on me because your redemption draws nigh. Now, folks, when you think about these things and you think about what's going on around the world right now, this this exaggerated, reported pandemic, a pandemic, it's a pandemic, and you look back at, at the true pandemics of history, whether you want to look at the Black Plague or you want to look at the Spanish flu, you want to look at SARS, it just, it, and you're going, you're going, really? And, and, and how that, that through the declaration of this pandemic, through the World Health Organization, throughout the world, there has come this, these declarations, these limited, just, just inside just think about what's going on inside the United States. The, the empty grocery shelves. The, they're, they're, they're counting how many people go into the store and, and they're limiting you. And then when you get inside the store, there's more empty shelves than not. Well, I, I'm just being honest with you. The things that I've seen over the last few weeks remind me of the first time I went behind the Iron Curtain in the late 1980s. And man, it troubled me. I was talking with my daughter-in-law who grew up in Bulgaria, came to Christ just after communism fell. And she, she said it reminded her of when she was living under communism. And you, you just look at that and you just go, what is going on? The, the, the limit activity, of course, not, not, not just the having to wear masks and that, but, but the, the, the limited activity in, in the government telling stores what they can and cannot sell because the government is de- de- deciding what is essential and what is not essential. I think about in one state, it's been declared they can't even sell garden seeds because that's not essential. It's not essential. I think garden seeds are essential. It, it's, it's, it's interesting the level of controls that we're seeing. And, uh, uh, and, and uh, people out walking by themselves, not even anyone near them, they're just out walking by themselves, but they're being stopped, they're being arrested because they're not quarantined inside their house. They're out walking and, and you look at this level of control. And what I find so curious is what is declared to be essential business and unessential business. Now, 
Let me get this straight. Pot stores, the sale of beer and vodka and whiskey, that's essential, but church is not essential. Now, what's really curious is when you look down through history in in Western civilization, when you look at history, every time there's been a crisis, every time there's been some sort of a major crisis that went on, the church was the center of the help and the care and the restoration. The church was the center. The government, the communities, everyone looked to the church to be the center and the hope and of restoration. But in this situation, around the world, the church has been shut out. The doors locked. Even to the point, you can't even gather in the parking lot in your own car and worship. And, and you, you look at these things and you go, what is happening? Well, dear ones, someone asked me the other day, how, how quickly do you think this, this whole globalization that Jesus talked about, the apostle Paul wrote about, that Daniel wrote about, that we read about, and re- how quickly do you think that could take place? And I said, Listen, listen closely to what's happening right now. In 2015, the United Nations established what it, it, um, what it called, in, in, in its own words, substantial development goals. S-D-G, substantial development goals. And a part of that they called their 2030 agenda that has 17 points under that agenda. Point 16 talks about establishing solidarity of the nations and of the peoples. And a part of that is that there would be biometric identification of every human being on earth. And they say the reason is to provide safety, to provide security, to provide equal marketplace, to provide equal, to provide an equal place for all peoples at the financial resources. Now, what is biometric identification? Well, it's what's happening in Sweden right now. Sweden there's only about 13% of the, of the population of Sweden that is not cashless, that still uses cash, 13%. Okay, that means 87% of that nation is cashless, whether they're using debit card or they're using other forms. Five to 6,000 Swedish people have allowed a microchip to be inserted into their hand. They can unlock the door at their house. They can unlock the door at their business place. They, all of their medical uh, information is on there. 
they do all their banking, all their buying and selling at the stores, all happens through that chip that is in their hand. That same company that is running that test case in Sweden is the company that the UN wants to use to help them bring biometric identification to everyone in the world according to their 2030 agenda. Now, we, when, we, when we read that and, and we understand that, we go, wow. But then when you connect that with what happened with the World Health Organization, how that overnight these kind of measures were put in place, how quickly, how close are we? And when you, and when you read what the what the UN calls the substantial or, or the, the sustainable development goals, when you read those, you study those carefully, what they're talking about is a complete globalized government that, that everyone in the world is brought to one, under one government, under one control. And when you read all of those goals, it is that all industry, all marketplace, all population is being controlled by a one world government. Wow, how close are we, dear ones? How close are we? Now, Jesus was saying, when you see these things happening, don't let anxiety fill your heart. But lift up your eyes, your redemption draws nigh. And the whole thing centers on him. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes on to say, because I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'll come back. I'll come back. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you home with me. That where I am, there you may be also, so that you can be with the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then the disciples ask this really important question. Wait a minute, Jesus. The Father, the Father. Show us the Father. We want to see the Father. If, if we could just know, if we could just understand, we believe in God. We want to believe in you. But and Jesus says, wait a minute. Don't you understand? I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. We are one. There's this solidarity between the Father and me. We are one. Look with me again at John 14, 8 to 11. And rather than quote this to you, I'm going to read it to you really carefully so that you can see what Jesus is talking about. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? See, I mean, he and Philip had been walking together every day by this time for three and a half years. Have I been with you so long, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? See, that's solidarity. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But he goes on. 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Do you see that solidarity Jesus is talking about? I and the Father are one. But he didn't stop there. Look at verse 20. If you're still there in, in, uh, in chapter 14, go down to verse 20. Look what he says. And in that day, and in that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. You see, he's talking about the solidarity. Now, when he says in that day, he's talking about I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, that when we're born again and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, then at that day, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, that we are in him and he, there's this solidarity we're in him, he is in us, we are one with Jesus. Now, why is that important to you? I want to wrap up by showing you 10 reasons that Jesus gives here. We're going to go back and look at these in more detail, but we're wrapping up with this thought today. This is why it's so important. At this time, you keep your eye fixed right on Jesus and you keep your heart set on home, eternal home, for this reason. Look what he said in John 14, 16. We have the comforter. That's the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 21, and in chapter 15, chapter 16, we have Jesus and the Father's unfailing love. Because we're in solidarity with Jesus, because we're one with him, we have the teacher that will show us how to live, how to live. You go, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to handle this. I'm so confused. I don't know how to deal with this. Holy Spirit will show you. You're one with Jesus. He's one in you. He'll show you. We have his peace. We don't have to live in anxiety. We have his peace. We have a bountiful life. A bountiful life. We are not limited. We, we can live just as bountiful in this situation as we can otherwise. Look at the next five things. This is so important. He answers our prayer. We have true joy. We will, exp we will experience persecution. He said, because they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Dear ones, listen to me. As we go further down this journey, the hatred of Christians and Jews is going to get worse. But dear ones, remember, remember, that just means we're one with Jesus. Don't fear that. We will have strength to not stumble. Jesus said, I've taught you these principles on how to live in solidarity with me, how to live from the inside out. I've taught you these things so that you will not stumble. Wow, what insurance. And then he said, look, we will overcome the world just as Jesus overcame the world. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what should we be doing? Well, let me just give you some final things to wrap up to think about. First of all, you need to get into John 14, 15, and 16 over the next few days and dig in that. Don't just read it once. In fact, don't just read it twice. <laughs> you need to get in there and dig and discover what Jesus was talking about when he was saying, I've taught you these things so that you'll not stumble. You need to get into John 14, 15, and 16 and dig in there well. Another thing, don't, don't let what you're seeing, don't let what you're hearing on the news, don't even let the things that are pointing, we're, 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 we're headed towards a globalized government, don't let that stuff, don't let that stuff fill you with anxiety and fear. Um, let me give you this caution. There, there are all kinds of extremists out there that are putting things on the, on the web, on YouTube, and, and, and they're extreme. You, you check your sources. You check your sources. If you're listening to somebody's video about what's going on and how this is globalization and this is the one will take over and, and all of that, Check your sources. You're, you're reading most of oh, this is, this is that 5G, and 5G is going to kill us all. And Would you please stop and go to your sources? I mean, there, there are videos out there by everyone you can think of, but who are they? By what authority are they speaking and teaching? And who are their sources where are they getting their information from? Because most of these, they'll have this much truth, but this much extrapolation. You got, and, and it'll just fill your heart with fear and terror. Check your sources. Listen to reasonable sources. People that, that have a history of accurate research and reporting. Be very careful who you're listening to and spend more time in the Word of God than you do on these other things because they can just lead you the wrong direction. Dear ones, fill your eyes with Jesus. Fill your heart with the Word of God. Listen to more worship music and just keep your eyes on Jesus. John 14, 15, 16. Get into it. Here's, here's the next thing. Not only do you need to keep, uh, keep your eyes there, but ask God to give you a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that, to, uh, pray for us. Tuesday night, I've got an elder deacon meeting of all the elders and deacons of Living Faith Church. One of the things we're going to be talking about is how are we going to respond to President Trump's 
uh, new declaration for opening, and we're going to be looking at, at, at our governor's uh, directive in the midst of this, and we're going to get ourselves open as quickly as we can so we can get back together as a church family and seek the Lord. And, and But dear ones, personally, in your heart, seek a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. Take the time of, the, of sheltering in place to seek him more than you've ever sought him in your life. And then the last one is join us every morning at 7.30 for prayer. We, the elders and deacons of Living Faith Church has established a prayer time at 7.30 in the morning. We are praying for revival and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like never before. At this time, the world needs an on-fire, Holy Spirit-filled church. More than anything else, it needs an on-fire, Holy Spirit-filled church. That, and we've got to be that. Church family, we've got to be that. Whether you're listening to me in Bangladesh or in Nigeria or in Western Europe or you listen to me somewhere in North America, somewhere in the United States, I'm saying to you right now what the world needs more than anything else is an on-fire, Holy Spirit-filled church radically, radically walking with Jesus in a way like we never have and praying like we have never prayed before, because prayer will change things. It is prayer that changes things. It is prayer that moves mountains. Faith-filled prayer moves mountains. Faith-filled prayer does the impossible. But a lukewarm, cold church has no prayer has no power of the Holy Spirit, and does not change anything. In fact, it compromises, and it is easily, easily overcome by the world. But an on-fire, Holy Spirit-filled, radical child of God is filled with faith and prays prayers that moves mountains and does the impossible. And that is what the world needs right now. I'm calling on our church family, let's go to prayer. Let's wait on God and get a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Let's seek him like we've never sought him before. And let's unite our prayers. Let's move mountains. Let's do the impossible for the glory of Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Join me in prayer, will you please? Heavenly Father, when we look around us right now, we see that the coming of Jesus is so close. Hallelujah. But Lord, we're lifting our eyes. We're not going to stay focused on what's going on around us. We're changing our focus. We're lifting our eyes to the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, we're looking for you. We're setting our hope on things above, not on things on the earth. Jesus, you're our hope. And the home you're building for us is our home. And we're saying to you, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're looking for home. We're looking for home. 
Lord Jesus, but we're also, as long as you leave us here on this planet, we want to be a radically on fire child of God. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Empower us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus, we seek your face. And Jesus, we say, we say, step in and do the impossible right now in Jesus' name. Lord, anyone that's listening to this broadcast that has the COVID virus, in Jesus' name, I pray every cell of that virus to wither and die by the roots and leave their body. All symptoms of that virus leave their body. And in Jesus' name, they're healed to the praise and glory of Almighty God. Lord, anyone that's listening to this broadcast and they're filled with fear and anxiety and worry, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, bring divine peace. The peace that will guard their heart and mind and will give them inner tranquility in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in other nations of the world that are in even greater lockdown and control than we are in the United States. Lord Jesus, give them courage. Give them courage. Give them strength. Strengthen them with your spirit in the inner man, in the inner woman. Holy Spirit, rise up mighty in them, I pray in Jesus' name. And before I say amen to this prayer, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can receive him right now. And his promise is, I will come and I will dwell in you and I will become one in you. Pray with me this prayer right now. Pray it in faith believing, Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you are who you've declared yourself to be, that you are the Son of God, and that you died on the cross to take my place. You took my sin upon yourself. You died on the cross, and you rose from the dead the third day. I believe that, Jesus. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive my sin. I'm asking you to wash my heart pure and white, and Jesus, come live in me. Jesus, come live in me and be Lord of my life. I receive you right now, Jesus. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 And dear ones, his promise is, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus has forgiven you, and he's come and lived in your heart right now. Would you in the comments section right now just write, I received Jesus. I received Jesus. Would you write that in the comments section right now? I received Jesus. I've got a Bible to send you, and I've got a, a discipleship book to send you that I'd like to send to you. So just write in the comments section, I received Jesus. Or maybe, maybe during this broadcast, you're one that has been away from the Lord. You walked with the Lord at one time, but you've been away from the Lord. And in your heart, faith has come back in your heart, and you've come back to Jesus. Would you write in the comments section, I came back. I came back. I'm going to send you a Bible and a discipleship book as well. Because we want to minister to you and encourage you and strengthen your faith to walk in Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for listening today, being a part of our worship celebration today. Stay with us, would you please, because Pastor Jesse is coming right now. He's got some very important information for you. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Thank you, Pastor Dean, for the powerful message. Living Faith Church pastors and office staff continue to pray for you. You can send us a prayer request right now by writing in the comments section during this broadcast or also by sending us a text message to Pastor Wanda or Donna or you could even send us an email at info at winnacity.com. The prayer requests are shared with our pastoral staff and also our intercessory ministry team. Another thing, if you want to access more of Dr. Dean's resources, visit his blog page at fdeanhackett.com or his Twitter at fdeanh. And you could also find his books on amazon.com. Please remind your students to join me every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for Fusion Online. That's Youth Group Online at 7 p.m. through the Zoom app. Also, please join Pastor Dean for Wednesday night Bible study going through the book of Revelation. He announces the meeting ID through Facebook and also through text message. One other important thing, if you haven't already done this, is please subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living Faith Church, Hermiston, Oregon. By subscribing to our YouTube channel, this gives us the ability to go on YouTube Live. And not only that, but it increases our number of viewers and also creates a powerful community online. I just want to say right now that thank you for taking the opportunity to financially support LFC and contribute to the work of God, even as we go through this current crisis. Your faithfulness of tithing and offering opens the windows of heaven on you and your family. Almighty God promises to pour out an abundant blessing upon you, even more than you can handle. There is three ways that you can send us your tithe and mission offering. Number one is through the mail at P.O. Box 310, Hermiston, Oregon, 97838. Or number two, by stopping by our church office Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m., between 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Or three, by visiting our website at www.winnacity.com. Go to the upper right-hand corner, click on the menu, 
there'll be a drop-down menu, click on give, and that will take you to our giving portal. There you could also set up an auto draw. Thank you for all of our fa church family and guests for worshiping with us today. We pray that it was an encouraging and meaningful experience for you. Have a blessed rest of your Sunday, and we will see you again soon. Thank you.